Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, presented by Facebook. Today is Wednesday, October 28th. Stocks are down, big tech CEOs are up on Capitol Hill, and we're focused on Joe Biden's economic plan. America is now just six days away from the presidential election, and hopefully no more than seven or eight days away from knowing who won it. Joe Biden continues to be the front runner, according to most battleground state polls, and he has a very different plan for America's economy than does President Trump. On taxes, Biden plans to raise them for top earners and profitable corporations. On spending, he wants more of it to fight things like climate change, while also joining Trump in wanting a major infrastructure package. And Biden also wants a large, comprehensive stimulus to help offset economic damage from the still raging pandemic. An analysis by the conservative-leaning American Enterprise Institute found that Biden's tax plan, if fully implemented, would result in tax increases for about 5% of Americans and tax decreases for the other 95%. It also found that there'd be a GDP drag of less than two-tenths of 1% on the overall economy. But we wanted to go deeper than just these headline numbers with former South Bend, Indiana mayor and Biden campaign surrogate Pete Buttigieg. That conversation in 15 seconds. We're joined now by Mayor Pete Buttigieg. So, Mr. Mayor, on economics, one of the areas of contention between the Trump campaign and the Biden campaign, and this came up particularly during the vice presidential debate, is Biden's pledge to repeal the 2017 tax bill. So I'm hoping you could help me out here. Is the plan to repeal the entire piece of legislation and then replace it with something else? Or is it just to repeal parts of it like taxes on the highest earners? I think the focus is making sure that the wealthiest and corporations pay their fair share. We know that this tax policy benefited the 1% disproportionately. Now, obviously, governing is based on conditions, and I'm sure that uh, there will be a common sense plan to make sure that uh, we're responding to the reality around us. But the promise that Joe Biden has made in this campaign that I know is central to what he's going to do when it comes to tax policy is to shift the burden so that as most Americans believe we should, the wealthiest and corporations are paying their fair share. And he's also pledged that no one making less than $400,000 would see their tax go up under this plan. The Biden tax plan is fairly similar to what the Biden tax plan was, say, in January or February of this year when you were running against him in the primaries. Should it have changed at all, given that since the primaries, we have had a massive economic shock? Again, in the legislative process, there will always be a cause to look around at things that have changed. U.S. fiscal policy has changed in a lot of ways, and I'm sure that any Congress and administration have to work through that. But the commitment, I don't think, has to change. You know, He made a commitment that unfair tax cuts that went overwhelmingly to the top 1% aren't the right way to fund what the federal government is doing. That was true a year ago. It's true now, and it'll be all the more true under a Biden presidency, which is why he's, I think, going to keep that promise to change it. Mitch McConnell today adjourned the Senate until after the election, about a week after the election. If there isn't a stimulus plan, an economic stimulus passed before Inauguration Day, and Joe Biden were to take office on Inauguration Day, would the priority be to get an economic stimulus or to make the tax changes? Which comes first? Because it's hard to imagine that Congress could do both simultaneously. Look, we've got a patient and critical condition in terms of the U.S. economy, and we're going to have a level of competence and also empathy from a vice president and now president when Joe Biden is president, who actually knows what it's like to sit at home and worry about paying the bills. So of course, 
you can expect dealing with that to be the priority. But the other thing you're going to see is uh, making good on the commitments to invest in America, invest in our infrastructure, our education, the sources of our competitiveness, invest in a climate plan that's going to create jobs. And when it comes to paying for those investments, you're going to see a much more honest accounting of what it takes. And the good news is the resources are there uh, in a way that's totally consistent with economic growth, but also requires us to have realistic taxation of very wealthy people and corporations. You know, last time I checked, out of the Fortune 500 companies, 91 of them managed to pay zero in federal income taxes. That's not something that you're going to see happen because everybody needs to pay their fair share in a way that is, I think, consistent and compatible with good growth. I think the Biden plan is what, a 15% minimum tax on profitable corporations. Just one final stimulus question. Obviously, nothing has gotten done. It doesn't seem like anything is going to get done. The Republican Senate has offered a variety of quote unquote skinny bills, you know, a reauthorization of the PPP program, a couple other things. House Democrats have opposed that, saying we need something more comprehensive. Was it a mistake for Democrats to not take at least something to say help the small business that is going to go out of business because it can't get the PPP loan? Well, remember, House Democrats passed it and the Senate wouldn't take it. The mistake is for the president not to have a strategy, right? One moment he's saying, and, and maybe it was just the medication talking at the time, we don't know because it was immediately after his diagnosis, but he says by tweet, right, announces this policy that the talks are off. Then next thing you know, he's saying go big or go home, which sounded like he was negotiating against his own party in the Senate. There was total incoherence and no real, uh, I think, good faith, consistent other side of the table for Democrats to work with, which is why I think the best answer is to say, hey, look, we passed a bill. Why don't you just take that up? That would actually do something about the problem. I wonder, though, if Biden were to win, would it make sense from Biden perspective, from your perspective, for Democrats to now take the pieces that Republicans are offering under the assumption that they could get more come January? Because in theory, they'd be in charge. You know, if you look back to the arrival of the Obama administration, uh, they worked closely with the outgoing George W. Bush administration to try to find ways to make sure that you didn't have to wait till January for things to be in motion to uh, support the economy. I would hope that an incoming Biden administration could similarly uh, get uh, something done and, and find that, that the teamwork is there for the good of the country. Whether it'll actually happen uh, is tough to see, given how, how much cynicism has come to reign in the current White House and in the Senate. GOP, but I certainly think it'll be worth a try. You recently on your podcast, you had a very progressive economist, Derek Hamilton, on and started talking about issues like baby bonds and anti-racist economic policy, et cetera. And he supported Sanders, not you in the, in the primaries. Are these ideas that you think are going to get play inside of a Biden White House? I certainly hope these ideas are taken seriously on the road ahead, because what's clear is we can't just go back to what we were doing before. And I think the spirit of what Joe Biden says when he says, build back better, captures that. He doesn't say, build back to exactly what we had going on that helped us get into this mess. He says, build back better. Now, uh, of course, the new president will decide what the priorities are, what ideas are most necessary in order to get our economy going. And, and I think he'll do that in a way that has fidelity to what he has promised on the campaign trail. I do think that ideas, I mean, you take baby bonds, right, which uh, uh, sounded like a kind of far out idea. Next thing you know, folks from uh, Derek Hamilton, who, as you mentioned, is a Bernie Sanders surrogate, to Cory Booker, who I think really championed that idea among all of us who were running for president. And I think it's safe to say it comes from a more moderate place. We're talking about this. I think this could be a really rich, really fertile period for great ideas that build wealth and prosperity among Americans and eat away at that racial wealth gap. Exactly what combination of ideas wins out? Well, that's exactly what the process of governing is going to be all about. But it, of course, all of that only happens if we get a new president. Otherwise, we can expect four more years of the same chaos. It's interesting. During both of the presidential debates, when Donald Trump has tried to pin really Medicare for all on Joe Biden and called him a socialist, 
Biden's response has been, in one case, said, I am the Democratic Party, or I beat those guys, referring really to Sanders. Given that, is it reasonable for progressives to believe that a lot of their more progressive economic ideas could be adopted by this White House? Here's the thing. Joe Biden is a very pragmatic leader. It's also the case that sometimes the bold solution is also the pragmatic solution. That's certainly what FDR found at the time that he took office. And I think for that reason, we're going to see ideas flourish. And that will include ideas that come from left, right, and center. You know, you think about an idea like Obamacare, right, that was actually originally cooked up in a conservative think tank. And then a Democratic president took it on only for Republicans to suddenly say that this idea out of the Heritage Foundation was, uh, you know, Soviet communism. So the politics will continue to morph around all of this. But what I think we can expect to see is that good ideas will get a fair hearing and that it will always be done in a way that has fidelity to the core promises that Joe Biden won the nomination and will, we hope, we trust, win the election on, which is that the economy needs to be made to work for all of us not just people who live in buildings with their name on them in Manhattan. Final question for you, shift from domestic to kind of foreign, but staying on economics, which is, correct me if I'm wrong, when I hear Joe Biden talk about China vis-a-vis trade and economics, it sounds like his principles are fairly similar to Donald Trump's, although his tactics, the way he would go about implementing those policies seem different. Am I wrong about that? I think his principles are what Donald Trump sometimes play acts at doing, which is uh, standing up for the United States against China. Except if you look at the reality, Donald Trump made it clear that his silence could be purchased on things like human rights and democracy in order to try to get a trade deal, which it now turns out in many ways was a sham. The most recent news about the supposed beef purchases in Montana are just one example of uh, you know, this president really grasping at anything he could to somehow get out of a problem he created with this trade war, didn't have a strategy behind it. So you will begin to see a president standing up to China, but in a much more cohesive way, not poking him in the eye for the hell of it, but actually having a commitment to American and human values like democracy, speaking up about the abuses that are going on. And at the same time, a readiness to open the door to cooperation if they're ready to come to the table in good faith on anything from a more balanced economic strategy and abandoning some of their most abusive practices or things where they have an interest in cooperation, like issues around uh, health security or climate change. Mayor Pete Buttigieg, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Good to be with you. Welcome back. What we're watching today is Hurricane Zeta, which is expected to make landfall this evening. It would be the 11th hurricane this year to hit the U.S., the fifth to hit the Louisiana coast, and possibly the first to directly hit New Orleans. It's expected to either be a Category 1 or 2 storm when it finally arrives, with some forecasts showing that damaging winds will extend well inland tomorrow morning to Alabama and Georgia. Today, we are also continuing to watch farmers' response to COVID-19. Two new developments. The first is that Eli Lilly has ended clinical trials for an antibody therapeutic after early results suggested that it doesn't improve outcomes for hospitalized patients. On a more positive note, though, Sanofi and GlaxoSmithKline have been working together on a COVID-19 vaccine and just announced an agreement to make 200 million doses available to developing nations if and when it's approved for use. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national First Responders Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.